Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's a couple of years ago now when my daughter Marissa used to press me with a very important question that she seemed to always have on her mind. This question became theological and then eventually became exegetical. It became a biblical question, which sort of went like this. Daddy, are there zombies in the Bible? And of course, uh, I hadn't uh, had some of the instructors that some of you students have had. Some of you have told me that the right answer would would to answer, honey, why are you asking? Why do you want to know? But as a distracted parent who was not always thoughtful and wise, I'd simply say, no, honey, there's no zombies in the Bible. God didn't make zombies. Zombies don't exist. Yet the question persisted. Then I realized why Marissa was asking this question about zombies. Well, for one, she's baptized and she believes in her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And because she believes in Jesus, she believes that scripture is authoritative. And so therefore, anything in scripture has to be really true. And so if there are zombies in the Bible, then they must be really true. And she's asking this question because, like it or not, zombies are out there. Well, in American popular culture, zombies are out there. You will find them over at Blockbuster uh, on the picture of some of the DVD carriers. In fact, this is the important thing. Marissa has found them on the cover of the DVD play- DVDs over in Blockbuster. If you know our Blockbuster in Maplewood, they very thoughtfully divided the old movies according to genre. And you know the horror movies are way over here, the family movies are way over here with the whole store in between them. But more thoughtlessly, the new releases on the perimeter wall aren't always so distinguished. And so if you're looking for Bambi 2 in the B section, you might find Attack of the Living Dead right there in the A section. Or what actually happened, uh, we were going to get the movie Robots when it was a new release. This was some time ago. And while I was grabbing Robots here, Marissa was over here in the R section grabbing a copy of Resident Evil. I've never seen Resident Evil, not to this day, but she grabbed it and she turned and said, Daddy, is this real? Did God create zombies? Are there zombies in the Bible? And now, a little more thoughtfully, I was able to take my daughter aside and say, no, honey, these are made-up stories by people intended to scare you. They don't exist. God did not create zombies, and they're not in the Bible. And then just to show how thoughtful my daughter is, she actually went the next step and showed that this was a real theological concern. Dad, in the resurrection, are we going to be like zombies? In fact, she even said, when Jesus raises us, are we going to be walking around like this? And that was her true fear. She didn't want to spend eternity sort of as a living dead. And so we went to 1 Corinthians 15. I said, no, when we are raised up, hon, we are going to be glorious and perfect, not living dead, but fully alive. Even as in Christ today, we are fully alive. And that seemed to settle matters for a while. But see, I got a son who's got a little sister. And it was a year ago when we heard the Old Testament lesson read uh, during Lent, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. As it was being read, I elbowed my son. and I said, okay, son, this is really cool. Listen. And he perks up and he's listening. And you have the bones rattling and coming together, skeletons standing there, then the sinews and the muscle and the flesh and the skin. But notice they're standing there for a while before the breath of life has come into them. And my son sort of lift up, smiled. 
leaned over to Marissa on the other side of me and he said that one fateful word, zombies. <laughs> and then he poked me in the shoulder and said, Dad, you lied. There are zombies in the Bible. <laughs> okay, I guess there are zombies in the Bible. Or I guess if you want to find something that looks like a zombie, Ezekiel 37, uh, that comes close. For a while, they looked like zombies. I got my kids together after church, and we looked through this text, and I kind of said, look what's happening is God is taking people who were dead, and he's bringing them all the way over to full life. In fact, my son said, those people aren't just dead, they're really dead. <laughs> now, dead is dead, but you know, I guess if you wanted to use the term really dead to apply to anybody, it would be those bones. They're in the valley, not zombies, they have no flesh, not even skeletons, just bones strewn all over the plain. On the surface, not together, dry, brittle, deader than dead, really dead. And then I said, look what God can do through his creative power, through his Holy Spirit. He can take these people who are really dead and bring them through a quasi-zombie-like state to being fully alive, breathing with the Holy Spirit. And then Marissa asked me that very simple question, good question. She said, Daddy, is this true? And I said, yes, honey, it is. And then I told them about the exiles in Babylon. Now at that point, my kids, because they're kids, suddenly found this a lot less engaging. <laughs> I think my son would have loved it if this had really happened. You had a bunch of skeletons uh, come to life and then become, you know, zombies and then real people. Uh, then we talked some more about how this should be engaging, but I hope for you today that when I say this vision in non-literal language, refers to the people of Israel in exile that you don't find this somehow less engaging. In fact, I hope that we as a church would actually find this more engaging. Because Ezekiel in this vision, in non-literal language, is really talking about people who were alive physically when he served the Lord as a prophet to the Lord's people. These people described in the vision are physically alive. And so when the vision begins, we actually find the making of a horror story more terrifying or frightening than anything George Romero or Zack Snyder might put up on the silver screen. This vision is describing those who are actually physically alive. And so you might say in a true sense, these people are the living dead, zombies, they feel like they have dry, dead bones. They have no hope. They are clean, cut off. And so they were, because this was God's people in exile in Babylon, cut off from the Holy Land, cut off from the Holy City. This first group of exiles, of which Ezekiel was a part, cut off from the temple. Then later that temple is destroyed, and now it looks as if they are clean, cut off. They can't go to the temple, which means they can't go before the Lord the way he's told them to in the book of Leviticus. There can be no guilt offerings, no sin offerings, no sacrifices of propitiation or expiation, no atonement. And so they are in a land that seems like a grave and they are a people who are without hope. And if you were to describe those people, it would be as if they were a bunch, not zombies, but dead men decayed, rotted, and bones strewn all over the place. And this has happened because they were faithless to their God. They rebelled against him. 
They were faithless to him, faithless to one another. The prophets tell us of how they allowed and participated in the social, economic, and political oppression of their brother Israelites. And the prophets tell us how they went after other gods and mixed elements of false religion and false worship with the true worship. Ezekiel will liken this to adultery of the grossest kind you can imagine. And even their piety and devotion to the temple was a false piety. There was, in the end, no true faith, no repentance underlying their worship. And so God, in his wrath, removed them from that land and put them in the land of Babylon, as if he was taking the living and putting them in a grave. And so they are cut off without hope. They are the living dead, like bones strewn all over the valley, And it's to this people that God called that son of man, the prophet Ezekiel, to proclaim this message of hope. That God is able to restore them, that he will restore them, that he will be faithful to them. And so, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, we are clean cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you up from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord." This message of hope, Ezekiel proclaims to the living dead that they might have hope, that they might have life. And so God was faithful. The exiles returned. The temple was rebuilt. It was for a while the place where all of Israel would go to present themselves before the Lord. And yet there were those other things that uh, seemed still unfulfilled. The house of David was not raised up again. And then there's that promise of the Spirit. Uh, When does that take place? Well, uh, an act of interpretation has taken place uh, before we came here in the lectionary series when uh, they chose to read Ezekiel 37, 1 to 14 with John 20. In fact, uh, you fourth-year guys may not want to hear this again, but in Nestle Island, in the margin next to John 20, verse 22, you will see Ezekiel 37, verse 9, and they're telling you, you know... If you want to interpret this passage right here, you might want to run back to the Old Testament and read Ezekiel 37 as well, because a similar thing is happening. The Holy Spirit is being prophesied, is being breathed out and given to the hopeless that they might have hope, to the living dead that they might have life. And so we find in the Gospel of John, indeed, that our Lord Jesus Christ is the one through whom God the Father decisively acts to restore his people Israel, to deal with their sins, and to bring them life. He is the Lamb of God who takes up, well, good news for us, not just the sins of Israel, but the sins of the world. God the Father is he who gives life and raises the dead. God the Son does the work of his Father, giving life and raising the dead. In fact, he is the resurrection and the life. And for doing this, he was rejected and killed. 
And yet, he is risen. Our Lord lives. And he himself tells us in John's Gospel that the reason this takes place is that just as a seed, if it remains itself alone, produces nothing, when it's buried and dies, it gives forth multiple fruit, so also our Lord Jesus Christ. He who received the Spirit at his baptism, now that he's alive on that first, on that first Resurrection Sunday, breathes out upon his disciples and tells them to receive the Holy Spirit. He gives life to the living dead. To those who, have no, those who had no hope, he gives hope and he restores them. And we should actually see that just as in Ezekiel, God has taken those who were dead, really dead, and moved them to being those who are alive. And Jesus commissions his disciples. He sends them, as the Father sent him, to share in this life-giving ministry by forgiving sins, by retaining sins, by proclaiming Jesus Christ that you would believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing you would have life in his name. And we rejoice today, now, that this ministry of our Lord Jesus has come to us. You are those who were once cut off from God. You were those who were once the living dead. And yet, through this word, God has called you from death into life. He has forgiven you. And as his church, we now share in this ministry. I mention that because, well, I don't know if you know, but today is call day. <laughs> for some of you, right? For some of you, today is Vicarage Assignment Day. And for some of you, today is Wednesday. <clears throat> but for us as an institution uh, serving this church body, today is the day when some of our students will receive their assignments to serve as vicars this next year under the supervision of one who's been called into the ordained ministry. And a number of you will be leaving us as you receive your calls to serve as called and ordained ministers of the word. This then will become your vocation to proclaim this gospel. And what wonderful news it is. The Lord gives life, and even more than that, there's still much that's left to be fulfilled he will one day open our graves and raise us literally up from the dead that we might live with him forever, not as zombies, but as those who are fully glorified, perfected, to live forever with our Lord in the new heavens and the new earth. And this is your vocation to proclaim this gospel to God's people and to this world. You may find that the people where you serve are faithful to their calling. You may also find that there are many who are not faithful. Maybe as in the days of Ezekiel, those who would want to mix elements of false religion and false faith in this American pluralistic context with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we have received. Those who may play down the sacraments of our Lord and play down his word. And then outside the church, hosts of those who are the living dead, clean cut off from God, outside of the Lord Jesus, whom you will proclaim. Well, this will be your call. Today, I pray that the Lord God would bless you in your call, 
Bless us as a church and as pastors. Bless our church, and in particular, you guys who received your calls today. That he would keep you steadfast and faithful in this work that he's given you. That he would bless you so that as John the Baptist, you would testify to the light that all men would believe in him. That as the evangelist John, you would proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. That through your proclamation, those who hear would believe that he is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, they would have life in his name. That you would show God's people and the world Jesus, so they might see where God the Father has acted to save and redeem them. Even as he has called you to life, so today you are called to proclaim this life in Jesus to others. May the Lord God keep you steadfast and faithful in that call. And may, for all of you, may he keep you steadfast in this faith and in this life, both now and unto life everlasting. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.